Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Well, once again, good morning. Have you ever made something with your own two hands that you were proud of? Maybe you crafted something out of metal or wood that was useful. It fulfilled its purpose, and you said, well done. Or maybe you had an artistic flair, and you created something with, with paint or out of clay, and you loved the beauty of what you had created. None of those things have been my experience. <laughs> Just haven't done it. Have not done it. Um, I don't consider myself a creative or artistic person in that way. I do think I have some creative uh, skills and interests. I do love to make things, create things. I love the satisfaction of, of uh, developing and devising a, like a backpacking trip or canoe trip that's meant to be memorable. I love to put together a creative and intriguing clue or treasure hunt that people enjoy doing. So I like making some things, but not not out of stuff. When it comes to making things out of stuff, I look at the work of a second grader and think, maybe someday. <laughs> so as you can imagine, I'll go into a museum and see beautiful masterpieces created, and I just, I'm just baffled, overwhelmed to consider how an artist would have even conceived of that, of that design and then even known where to begin to create that work of art. But I'd say even more so, it is when I am in the midst of creation of God's handiwork that I am just awestruck. Awestruck by the creativity I see as I consider the grandeur of what God has created, as well as the intricacy of the plants and animals and tiny things among us. I can be captivated by watching a, just a bird or a chipmunk just doing the things that it was created to do. And we know that the Psalms in the Bible are filled with a sense of being filled with awe because of the creative work of God. For the past few weeks, we've been examining together the beautiful stained glass windows that grace this sanctuary. And we've been using them and their artistic motifs as kind of a launching point into the scriptures that they were designed to represent and to remind us of. And this morning, we consider the works of God in creation. And those are represented by the window to your left at the front here, the tall window. If you're seeing it on the screen or online, uh, you see the window kind of split up because it's in person, it's very tall and narrow. But this window represents the creative works of God as presented to us in Genesis 1 and 2. And on the left, from top to bottom, on the screen, from left to right. I want you to hear the design uh, description of this window and see how it opens up for us what is presented in Genesis chapter 1. This series represents the Old Testament creation account, moving from top to bottom. At the top, we see the Creator's declaration, let there be light. Below, we see the waters that were created and the creatures created to fill them. 
Dry land is represented in striations or layers like those of the Grand Canyon. The fourth, fifth, and sixth panels show created plant forms, an antelope representing animal life, and finally, Adam representing all humankind. And if we look at the account in Genesis 1, we see that after God created each element, each component of this physical reality, everything that we can see and smell and touch, everything that scientists continue to explore and discover new things about as they probe the depths of space or as they study subatomic mysteries, after each element of creation, God stepped back and declared it to be good. These were good creations, and God was rightly proud of what he had made. And then beginning in Genesis 1.26, we read that God said, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then in verse 31, before God rested from his work of creation, we read that God saw all that he had made and declared it to be very good. It's only after people had been created in God's image and placed within the order of creation that God looked down and said, this is very good. And we get a sense of completion in his creative work as humankind created in his image are now on the scene. Genesis 2, in some ways, provides a companion account to the creation story of Genesis 1. And it's Genesis 2 in particular that we see the story, emerging story of humankind, and we see them presented as the apex, in a sense, of, of God's creative work. In Genesis 2-7, we read, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. There's this deeply intimate sense we get from this aspect of God's creative work. We're told that it's humanity alone created in the image of God himself, filled with the very breath of God. The Hebrew word translated here as breath is the same word that's translated elsewhere as spirit. And so we see in this creative act that God breathes the ruach, the, the breath the spirit of himself into this being formed to reflect his own image. Now, if you read through Genesis 1 and 2, you see that just as people were created, in a sense, to be the pinnacle of God's creation, they're also given the most responsibility. God gives the man and woman dominion over the rest of creation, but also responsibility to care well for creation. He provides them a garden of paradise and provides them work to do to tend to that garden. It's humanity alone that's filled with the very spirit of God, and humanity alone enjoys the special, intimate relationship with our creator, the kind of relationship we see Adam and Eve begin to live out in the story of the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2. Humankind, created in God's image, was created for a very special purpose and created to live out 
very special purposes as those who reflect God himself. Now, if we go to read Genesis chapter 3, we see that Adam and Eve didn't fully live into their created purpose. They were meant to live in an intimate relationship with God, to enjoy him, to follow his instructions. But they ended up turning their own way because they were presented with something that to them seemed better than God's way. And the results were tragic as this couple was banished from life in the garden. We see that their life was, was, difficult, was physically more difficult, but also spiritually damaged as they found that there was a rift in the relationship between them and their creator. But thanks be to God, that is not the end of the story. In fact, we see that the entirety of the rest of Scripture continues to tell the story of God and his relationship with the people that God created. God's purposes in creating humanity were that they would reflect God's image, that they would care for the rest of creation, that they would, as people filled with the breath and spirit of God himself, live into intimate, meaningful, life-giving relationships with God, with each other, and with people created alongside them. And we see that these purposes haven't changed. That thread continues throughout, of, throughout all of Scripture. And this is what the Apostle Paul talks about and writes about in Ephesians chapter 2, the passage that Pastor Diane read for us just a few moments ago. I'd like for us to look at that passage again in a different translation, to look at the New International Version. Paul writes, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So Paul tells us that we have a lot in common with Adam and Eve. They sinned, they turned from God's way by eating of the fruit of the tree that God told them not to eat from. But all of us at some point become spiritually dead because just like Adam and Eve, at some point we give in to that temptation to go a different way than the way God provides for us. We all give in to that temptation and say yes to something that for some reason seems better than God's plan. And because of that, Paul says, we find ourselves spiritually dead, having gratified our own desires instead of seeking to please God. 
But, Paul says, because of God's great love for us, this same God who is rich in mercy makes us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in sin and transgressions, even when things looked hopeless, like a complete spiritual dead end. And then Paul just lays it out straight. He says, it is by grace that you have been saved. Not by feeling bad enough. Not by trying to do enough good things so they'll somehow cancel out the bad things. Not by learning enough of the things about God so that we can give all the right answers. But instead by God's grace shown to us through Jesus Christ. Paul says God wants to demonstrate his incomparable riches the true extent and depth of his grace through Jesus Christ, his kindness for us in Christ. He says it's by grace that we've been saved through faith. And then he says, and by the way, that faith, that's a gift as well. That's an act of grace as well. Because it's not that our faith is something we can work on to make good enough or strong enough or acceptable enough that somehow we are made right with God. Paul says we're not saved by works, and that includes the work of faith. And Paul says this is so nobody can boast, but we all end up pointing to God and giving him praise and thanks. We can't be saved by works, but only by exercising that gift of faith that God has given us. We can't be saved by works, but works seem to be really important. Because in the very next verse, Paul goes on to say, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So Paul seems to be shifting really quickly here. He says, by the way, works can't save anything, can't save you. They really can't do anything for you. Oh, and by the way, works are incredibly important. In fact, you were made to do them. And here Paul points us right back to Genesis 1 and 2 and to our created purpose as human beings. In Genesis 1 and 2, we see that God created everything that can possibly be known, including people created in his image, including us created with a purpose. People were created for good works, good works to do that Paul says are prepared in advance for us. People were created to care for creation, to work hard at it, to care for it. People were created for the work of staying in relationship with one another and with our creator, God. Adam and Eve were never meant to simply go and do their own thing. They were meant to live freely and joyfully into the life of pursuing God's thing. And so are each of us. They were meant to live into their relationship with God and to find themselves often saying, I was meant for this. I was made for this. And so are each of us. We are God's handiwork, created in the beautiful image of God and created with beautiful purpose in Christ. And so this morning, I want to ask you to consider what are those good works that you think, that you believe, God has created in advance on purpose for you to do? It's interesting the way Paul puts this in the letter to the Christians in Ephesus. It's as if he's saying, you know, there are certain tasks, certain responsibilities, certain opportunities with your name on it that if you do not choose to do those things, very possibly will remain undone. 
forever. We know this again from the story of Genesis. We know that there was actually work to do in the garden that Adam and Eve never got to accomplish because they had to leave, because they chose their own way. They said no to those works God had entrusted to them and gone their own way. And so this morning, what's the good work that you just know in your heart has been sitting there with your name on it that will remain undone unless you put yourself to the task, unless you use that spirit and strength and breath and life that God has given you to undertake the thing that he's given you to do. It might be really hard, but it might go undone unless you say yes. I think it's really interesting that as human beings, we seem to be wired to actually get the greatest amount of satisfaction from things that are incredibly difficult. It seems to be inherently more satisfying, for example, to to hike the Appalachian Trail than to take a walk around the block. Something more fulfilling about that. Something more fulfilling about actually doing the hard work of forming a deep relationship with someone very different from us than simply saying hi to a stranger, although that's, that's nice. Something inherently more fulfilling about staying in deep relationship and working through relational issues than in just walking off in a huff or in just winning and getting things to be our way. Something more deeply fulfilling about becoming deeply and even sacrificially involved in the life of a church or a local ministry than in simply kind of skimming the surface and not really getting involved. God experienced great joy in the very good and difficult work of creation. Genesis tells us God worked really hard and then rested. And as people created in God's image, as people filled with his breath and his spirit, and in some miraculous way, even wired like our creator himself, we have work to do that will bring us great fulfillment. We have works to do that have our names on them. There are things with our names on them that will bring us great joy in completing and accomplishing, that will bring glory to God, that will find us saying, I was meant for this. I was made for this. None of those things will save us. But as Christians who have been saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ, we find ourselves freed up to actually take on those tasks that God has given us knowing that he will give us the strength to do everything he calls us to accomplish. And so what will those things be for you in this this week ahead, this month or this summer or this year? I believe that if we ask God to show us those things that he has prepared for us in advance, those things that he's placed our name on, he's going to be faithful to show them to us. He won't make it hard for us to find those things. And it's my prayer that we will be faithful in seeing those things and taking them on, living into them, and doing the hard work, knowing that we have brothers and sisters beside us to lift us up, knowing that just as we gather around families in the promise of baptism, we have bodies, we have in the body of Christ, brothers and sisters, members of the body, to do those works alongside us and to cheer us on. 
My prayer is, is that as we do that, we will find deep joy. We will find ourselves even saying, I was meant for this. I was made for this. Would you join me in prayer? God of creation, we thank you and we are in awe that we are fearfully and wonderfully made just as you designed us. God, we are in awe that you have chosen us to bear your image. Lord, you have placed eternity in our hearts. You have breathed your spirit into our lives. Thank you for giving us purpose here on earth. God, help us to discover more and more the joy and privilege of truly living in to that purpose. Help us to give you more and more glory by doing those works more and more faithfully. Help us to learn from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, your Son, who lived this life of purpose so beautifully, so perfectly. We ask all this in his name. Amen.